The following recording will include seven paragraphs from the chapter entitled The Priority of Justification to the First Exercise of True Repentance in the book Evangelical Repentance by John Calcoon. No sin is truly repented of till it be pardoned, nor is the sinner ever melted so much into godly sorrow as when he knows that his iniquities are forgiven. The faith of pardon melts the adamantine heart, makes the head waters and the eyes a fountain of tears. It is by viewing our sins, by an appropriating faith, as laid upon the Lamb of God and him as pierced for them, that we attain the lively exercise of evangelical repentance. The more our hearts are enabled to trust that the Lord Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and was bruised for our iniquities, the more will we abhor them and turn from the love and practice of them. From what has been advanced, it clearly appears that it is the immediate duty of every sinner who hears the gospel to trust in Christ and his righteousness for justification. When he sincerely attempts this first duty, the exercise of true repentance will necessarily follow. When he believes in the Lord Jesus for justification, at the same time he trusts in him for sanctification, for grace to enable him to repent of all his sins. And according to his faith, it is unto him. The design of his justification is not to lay a foundation for his continuance in sin, but that he may go and sin no more. It will be absolutely impossible for him to exercise evangelical repentance till his sins be pardoned. For till they be forgiven, God is a consuming fire to him. The curse of the law abides on him and intercepts the communication of that grace which is necessary to produce the exercise of true repentance. Was he wont to trust in himself and in his own works in order to exercise repentance unto life? His heart must turn to Jesus Christ for a better righteousness and thereby for eternal life. It must turn from every false ground of hope and rely on Christ, looking not to his own penitential tears nor to his graces or duties, but looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Let no sinner conclude that his exercise of repentance atones for his crimes or entitles him in the smallest degree to the favor of God and the felicity of heaven. He must receive by faith the atonement made by the Lord Jesus and have his sins all forgiven on the ground of it before he can begin to exercise the least true repentance. He must receive also the gift of righteousness and in justification be accepted as righteous and so be entitled to the happiness of heaven before he can begin the exercises of the, that repentance which is acceptable to God. How then can his repentance atone for his iniquities or entitle him to the favor of God and to the happiness of heaven? How can that evangelical repentance, which he is incapable of exercising till after his sins be all forgiven on the ground of an infinite atonement imputed to him, make atonement for them, how can that true repentance, which he cannot exercise until in justification he be already entitled to eternal life, entitle him to eternal life? Does not the consummate righteousness of Jesus Christ, imputed for justification, entitle the believer fully to it? What need is there, then, that his repentance should entitle him? How can that exercise of repentance, which is the consequence of pardon, 
afford a previous title to pardon, or that which is a part of eternal life be a ground of right to eternal life. As to that legal repentance, which an alarmed sinner is supposed to exercise before faith and justification, and which is an abomination to the Lord, how can that which is itself sin satisfy divine justice for sin? How is it, how is it possible that, that that which merits eternal death should at the same time merit for the sinner eternal life? How can that proud, that pharisaical repentance that pharisaical penitence on which the sinner depends for pardon of sin and a right to life procure for him either the one or the other. O sinner, believe and repent, and that without delay, but do not in the least depend on your exercise of them, either for pardon of sin or for a title to the smallest blessing from the Lord. Your immediate duty is, by the acting of faith, to receive Christ as Jehovah, your righteousness, for justification, and to receive from him fullness that evangelical repentance which is included in sanctification. So shall you repent in such a manner as will please God. From what has been said, it is plain that the exercise of true repentance is necessary in order to a believer's attaining the comfortable sense of pardon in justification. It is an evidence of his having received judicial pardon, and so is a mean of his attaining the assurance that he is already in a state of pardon. Although the exercise of true repentance is not requisite to the obtaining judicial remission, seeing faith alone is the instrument of receiving this. Yet it is necessary if a man is to attain the assurance of gospel blessings. It usually precedes a satisfying sense of judicial pardon. It was not till after the woman who washed our Lord's feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head had thereby expressed that love and penitence, which were the consequences of the pardon of her sins, that he intimated her pardon to her. He said to her, after her sins had been forgiven, and after she had exercised that repentance, which was the evidence of her state of pardon, thy sins are forgiven. Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Would you then, believer, who are oppressed with doubts and fears respecting the remission of your sins, attain joyful intimations that they are all forgiven? O oh, renew and frequently renew, not only the acting of humble confidence in your adorable Redeemer for all his salvation, but also the exercise of evangelical repentance. Godly sorrow is sweet, is delicious sorrow. It is often attended by a delightful sense of redeeming love and justifying grace, whilst with tears of sorrow and of gratitude you praise a forgiving God and a bleeding Savior, you realize this paradox, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Your melting seasons of penitential sorrow will usually pave the way for your strongest and sweetest consolations.